0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Oh, you guys are already starting off so much better than the 9 a.m. Hey, my name is Pastor uh, Kenny Barr. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and I love North Church. This is one of my favorite places to be on a Sunday morning because uh, if you're new here, I just want to let you know this is more than just a place where we come and hang out. This is family right here. This is friends. These are people uh, that what I would call ride or die together. Um, People are here to support each other, love each other. And if you don't have that here at a church, I want to encourage you right to service. Uh, Andrea and I will be over here underneath this monitor. We'd love to get to know you. Because we've been going through an amazing series led by Pastor Nate and Mike called The Names of Jesus. And they've been talking about how Jesus is Emmanuel, the Messiah, and the King of the Jews. And this morning, I'm very excited to talk about how Jesus is a friend of sinners. And when this was originally said, uh, it was said by a group of relig- uh, religious elite, uh, Pharisees, uh, what I would call pastors. Uh, when, when they said it, uh, that here's Jesus in, in the world, and he's hanging out with sinners, tax collectors, people. And as he's doing it, uh, these Pharisees are like, hey, do you notice Jesus? Yeah, he's hanging out with them. He's hanging out with those people. He's hanging out with sinners, tax collectors. And what, as I started digging into this and started thinking about this, what I've kind of realized is just 2,000 years ago, as a place that was really hurting, broken, and a place of division, here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still feeling that. We're still feeling this sense of divide. We're still feeling this sense of hurt. We're still sometimes even faced with this question between us and them. But the good news is here comes Jesus, and he says, I want to bring healing and wholeness to a community. I want to eat with people. I want to hang out with people. And the very exciting part of that is just by being friends with others, he brings healing to a divided community. And my hope here this morning is for all of us to have some sense by just being friends with others, we can do the same thing. That we can bring a sense of healing, a sense of hope to those people who don't know Jesus. Is that cool? Turn to your neighbor and say, let's get started then. Mm, The nine o'clock struggled with that too. I don't know what to say about that. If you open your Bibles, if you have a Bible or you have a phone... Or for whatever reason, you don't have either one of those. Um, my friend Teresa is going to pull up uh, Matthew 11, 19. And so that's where we get this verse. And what it says is this. Is, Here is a glutton, and they're talking about Jesus. Here is a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. So like I said before, they're kind of creating this divide between the religious people of the day and sinners. And before we move on, we really have to kind of figure out, well, who is a sinner. Who is them? And when they're talking about this, they're saying things like, well, a sinner is a tax collector. Uh, I used to think the IRS is pretty bad. I didn't like them. Um, These people, in my mind, were thieves back in the day. Uh, If you owed, let's say, 50 bucks to Caesar, um, well, a tax collector would come and say, hey, you owe 100 bucks. I'm going to pocket 50 buy the UGG boots my wife been wanting. And then I'll give 50 to Caesar. They were thieves, okay? Then you had uh, prostitutes, people that lived a life of sin. And then you also had people that were homeless. They were considered sinners. Uh, People that were blind, uh, paraplegic, uh, had a deformity. Uh, There was kind of this idea that, well, if your parents sinned enough, somehow their sin entered a baby. And that baby is born blind because there's just sin all in front of their eyes. I don't know. That's them, not me. I'm just saying. Really, it was just, as they're talking about it, people that weren't following God's law. That's who they're talking about. He's friends with those people. And as I was thinking about this, and and what kind of brought to my mind is this conversation I I sometimes have no clue how I'm in, but this question that gets asked, or this statement. And maybe you've heard it before, too, in your kind of Christian circles or here at the church— But this question gets asked is, if Jesus was here today, where would he be? And some people will say, well, of course, he would be downtown Spokane with the homeless. He would be at UGM. He would be handing out food to people. And it always kind of sat a little rough with me, like, well, what about me? But even as I was thinking about this message and and praying about it and talking about it, I started to realize as I was talking about sinners, I was kind of separating us. Well, those people. And here's Jesus saying, no, Jesus is a friend of everyone. Because you know what? You guys, I'm a sinner. I know. Hold your breath. There is times in my life where my wife is, I told her I'm cleaning. And I might have been watching the Gonzaga game. There has been times in my life where I meant well, but I've hurt others. There's been times that even though I know Jesus, I'm still a hurt and broken person. And that the reality is when people say, if Jesus was here today, he wouldn't be in the church, I would argue against it. He would be hanging out with me. He'd be coming down saying, Kenny, let's go to Waddell's. I really hope it's Waddell's. But he would be saying, we need to chat. We need to hang out because we're all sinners and broken people. I think that's important because... Here is Jesus coming to this world, and he's not saying us and them. He's saying we're all in this together. All of us in this room and outside of this room need Jesus. Jesus is a friend of everyone. Because everyone is hurt, broken, in need of a Savior. And that's important. But the question is, well, how do we do this, Kenny? Jesus was friends with sinners. How do we do that? And I think it's important... Is if we're going to bring healing to a divided community and to a divided culture, if we want to bring change, you need to be around those who are not like you. Uh, One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Luke chapter 19 is about Zacchaeus. And the reason I like Zacchaeus is because I think I'm a lot like Zacchaeus. In the sense that here's Zacchaeus, he is a chief tax collector. That is his job. So, remember, uh, tax collectors, horrible people. We have more respect for the IRS now. Chief tax collector, horrible person. He was a thief among thieves. And I'm guessing that Zacchaeus, being that's Luke chapter 19, has heard of Jesus. Right? He's heard of this guy who has healed people, who has uh, a carpenter's son who is able to talk about the Bible, I'm sure he's heard about that. And he's probably heard that this Jesus guy tends to make religious people mad. And so what does he do? He says, I want to go see him. I want to go see Zacchaeus or Jesus. And so it says that he is a small man. So what do small people do? Apparently they climb trees. And he climbs this tree. And I get it, though. I get where Zacchaeus is coming from. There's times in my life where I wanted to see Jesus. There was a high schooler uh, last summer. I was talking with him, and I said, hey, uh, why do you want to go to camp? And he said, well, a bunch of my friends went last year, and they, uh, they had these amazing interactions with Jesus. They felt him. They heard his voice, and I want to go see that. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I think there's times in my life and all of our lives where we wanted to see Jesus work. I can get it that Zacchaeus wants to see this guy who's doing amazing things. But look what happens to Zacchaeus in chapter 5, or in verse 5. Here he is sitting, sitting in a tree. Jesus comes on and says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. See, Zacchaeus went to see Jesus. And Z- Zacchae- Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus. There's been that time, and I think if you follow Jesus, right? You were hoping to see Jesus, but then there was that moment where Jesus spoke to you personally. I mean, I remember that time where I was at camp, and I knew a lot about Jesus, but then there was a moment where Jesus is the Savior of everybody, but in that moment where you hear his voice, no, Jesus is a Savior to me. He's talking to to me, Kenny Barr. There's a moment where I think all of us have been in that place where, we we see Jesus but then he speaks to us personally and we realize oh my gosh there's a lord and a savior out there who wants to love us and care about us and what happens is this, Jesus says hey dude let's let's go eat together let's let's hang out and just by spending time with Jesus uh, we don't really know what was said we don't know what happened at this luncheon that happened but what we do know is that Jesus's heart was changed because it says that When Zacchaeus stood up, he said to the Lord, look, Lord, which is, applaud him for saying that directly to Jesus. He says, look, Lord, here I am now. I will give up half of my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times more. Zacchaeus hangs out with Jesus, spends time with Jesus, hears Jesus call his name, and so much. That changes his heart to be more like Jesus. Says, I'm gonna stop caring about myself and care about others. And as I look in this room, I look around and I see a bunch of people who are in the same boat, right? We've all heard Jesus' voice and we said, we wanna be more like him. But how do we do this? And I think it requires us to be spending time with people that maybe we don't like to hang out with, that make us uncomfortable. You see, in my life, I have found that um, there is a pendulum. And uh, let's say this is one side of the pendulum. And it is Christians, and I I found myself in this spot, Christians, followers of Jesus, who only have friends who are Christians and followers of Jesus. And and they don't have anybody. And, And the hard part about that is what I have learned is you miss the heart of broken people. What I mean by that is uh, we had a pastor come to our staff, uh, staff meeting one time. His name was Thomas Anderson. He's a pastor over at Shiloh Hills. And he's coming, and he brought his staff, and we were talking about racial reconciliation. And one of his own staff members raised her hand, and she said, she goes, Listen, this is hard for me to connect with because, I'll be honest with you, is all my friends are white. My family is white. Um, I don't know a lot of people that don't look like me. And I, and I hear this, and I feel shame and hurt because I don't know what to do, but I've never heard about it, and I just feel bad. And he says, it's hard to care about something unless you're in proximity to it. It's hard to understand unless you really know somebody that's affected by it. And so I was sitting here thinking about this, it's hard to care about people who don't know Jesus, who are sitting in the same boat that we have sitting in, and and care about them, and and say, oh, I want to be with them. I want to be friends with them. When me and my wife, uh, we graduated college uh, down in California and we got married. We moved into an apartment. All our friends moved away. And our family lives here in Spokane and in Ritzville. And so we knew nobody. All our friends were people that went to church. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I was like, oh, my friends are Christians. It's fine. It's the people I go to church with. And what I realized was there was a problem there because when I went and spoke at a young adult retreat, there was this guy in the crowd who didn't know Jesus and he wanted to talk to me afterwards. And I said, I'm down to talk to you. You seem fun. And we sat down around this fire. And as he's talking, every other word out of his mouth is, is the F word. And I'm, I don't, honestly, I feel really bad about this. I don't know what he was talking about that day. All I know is apparently the way he was talking affected me because I was apparently like twitching or something like that because he stops and he says, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he goes, if I said something to offend you and I said, I, I, I think there's something wrong. And, and I say this in the sense that, <sighs> Corey, I, I, I got to let you know this. My family, I grew up in a Christian family home. My wife did as well. Um, My friends are all Christians. And we don't use the language you use. And I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. I'm just telling you that I'm uncomfortable by it. I I think it's a, I'm having a hard time even listening to you. And and then he's like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, Corey, this isn't your fault. This is mine. I'm expecting you to have the same values as I do. I'm expecting you to be like me. And that's wrong of me and I'm sorry. Here we have Jesus, who is probably the farthest apart from Zacchaeus. And Jesus says, I just want to eat with you. I just want to hang out with you. I just want to spend time with you. And to do that, we have to be in proximity of people that maybe don't know him. And then the other pendulum swing is over here, where you have people that uh, are Christians, but all their friends are people that don't know Jesus. And the problem with that is, You're hiding a gift. You're hiding this gift that God has given you. And you're you're afraid to share it. Uh, Pastor Nate was talking uh, about a month back about a conference we went to where we uh, saw this guy, Eugene Cho. And he talked about how um, millennials and Gen Z, uh, so really middle school, kind of through young adults, uh, the word evangelism is a bad word for them. It's the E word. I grew up, with the E word meant something else. Apparently not them. And he says that it makes them so uncomfortable that they don't want to share Jesus. And when I first heard this, I was a little upset. I was like, dang it. I'm the junior high and high school pastor. I suck. And then as I started thinking more and more about it, I started realizing I kind of get it, though. We live in a culture today where Disagreeing on something means we hate each other. Not having the same values means we can't hang out with each other. What if this person was hurt by the church and me bringing up Jesus causes more pain? What if, and, and for a lot of people, it's, sometimes it's not even about them, it's about us. I'm dealing with so much shame, pain, and I have sin in my own life. How am I supposed to be friends with others? Um, we had uh, we had summer camp last year, and I talked to five high schoolers that wanted to get baptized, and one of them kind of wanted to back out. He said, "I don't really want to get baptized anymore." And I said, "Why not, dude? This is exciting." He goes and he starts listing all the ways he's not spiritually there to get baptized, and as I'm listening to this, I'm realizing one thing: I am not spiritually there either. <laughs> he's listing thing after thing after that, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh." Either A, I need to seriously consider my own relationship with Jesus right now. Or B, we need to stop working to be called. There's a a God out there who says, listen, this is a free gift. There's a God who says, listen, in your weakness I am made strong. There's a God who says, I have grace for you. And if we really believe in that, if we really hold on to that, you can be a broken hurt person and still be friends with others. Still step out of your comfort zone and say, hey, um, I'm a broken person as well. I'm a hurt person as well. Can we just, can we eat together? Can we hang out together? Can we spend time with each other? The problem is that sometimes it makes us really uncomfortable or the people we hang out with uncomfortable. I have a mother um, I'm just going to tell you guys a story. She thought I smoked weed for four years in high school. Never said a word. I kid you not. It's the weirdest thing in my whole entire life. Can I tell you? Can I tell you the story? It's the most awkward thing on planet Earth. Uh, my mom was a pastor here for 17 years. Uh, I graduated high school. I <laughs> moved in with a friend of mine over at the Cedar Apartments. My sister moved back into Spokane. And she goes, hey, I'm an empty nester, but I still want to be with my kids. I'm going to take them to Cold Stone. So I showed up. Free Cold Stone. I'm not going to turn that down. And as I'm sitting there with her, um, my mom is not direct at all. She doesn't like to be direct. This just not her. But I can tell her body is uncomfortable. And we're laughing and stuff. And then finally, she just blurts this out. Kenny, you're, you're moved out of our house. You can't get in trouble for this. I just got to ask you for my own peace of mind. You smoked weed all four years of high school, didn't you? And I paused. She never once came and talked to me about this in high school. So in 2020, I'm going to be hosting a class, how to talk to your high schooler if you think they're doing drugs, okay? It's going to be great. We're going to talk about how you sit down with them and you ask them the question, are you doing drugs? And I tell my mom, no, I didn't smoke weed. Yes, you did no, mom, I didn't. Yes, you did. Just tell me. Oh my gosh, how do I tell my mom I didn't do drugs in high school? (laughs) And I am struggling trying to convince her because she is just firm. I did, I smoked weed all the way through high school. And finally, I just blurted out. I was like, why are you so convinced of this? Kenny, all your friends didn't follow Jesus in high school. And it kind of perked up, and I thought, that's not totally right, is it? And Started thinking through and realizing I did have a lot of friends at Mount Can that didn't follow Jesus. Um, I ran, I did sports, I had friends. I'm pretty proud of that fact, I guess. <laughs> and as I started thinking about it, a lot of them did do drugs. Like, there's a couple times they came over and their eyes were red and glossed over, and I just didn't think my parents would notice. I was wrong. But I, and I'm sitting here today, honestly telling you, I never did drugs in high school, okay? No matter how much my mom thinks I did. And I started asking, I was like, I really didn't. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah, mom, but here's the problem that I did do. I never once talked about Jesus with them. I sat on this side of the pendulum. A lot of my friends knew on Wednesday nights I came here to Life Center North, North Church Youth Group. They knew that. They knew my mom was a pastor and my dad was a police officer. They knew that. I even had a friend of mine, I remember, ask me, hey, um, why do you go to youth group? And I simply just said, it's a fun place where uh, people love me. I didn't have the heart to say, I follow Jesus, and it's a place where I can grow in a relationship with him. I didn't want to say that. I was too afraid of what they would think about me. I was too afraid of what if they think I'm judging them because they just toked up in their car. And we're going to go hang out at Laser Quest. Where you can't tell if their eyes are glazed over. <laughs> and I started realizing I was also living on this side of the pendulum. And what I'm realizing here today is that in order for us to heal our community, heal this divide, change comes through relationship. has to. has to come from people sitting down and hanging out with each other spending time with each other, saying you're as much of a sinner that Jesus would hang out with as I am. That us by hanging out with each other, maybe like Zacchaeus, they get to see a joy and a God who loves them and cares about them no matter what they've done. Maybe by sitting down and you yelling at the Seahawks because they can't beat the Rams no matter how many times we try, (laughs) they realize you're normal too. What if by just being in relationship with others, this, this division of us versus them gets healed? Where they say, Oh my gosh, I can be in relationship with you. If you head out into our lobby uh, by the drip coffee, you'll notice five words or five letters that make up the word bless. Uh, I love this. This is such an easy way to befriend people that don't know Jesus. You you begin with prayer. You listen to them. But my favorite part is that you eat with them. You simply just eat with them. You sit down with them. You hang out with them. And I'm realizing even in my own life that it's going to cost us something. Now, most speakers that I listen to, they'll tell you it's going to cost you money and time and da-da-da-da-da, which is true. But what's going to cost us the most is our comfort level. Because people that don't know Jesus might not have the same values as me and you. They might use language that you're not used to hearing or saying. They might drink more than you would like to drink. Do drugs. They might, they might not have just the same values as you do. But the reality is, is Jesus is friends with all of us. All of us, if you follow Christ, I bet you can think of one person that was a friend to you when you didn't know Jesus. My favorite part is, um, is Christmas Eve services are the next two days, uh, the 5 and 7 tomorrow, and then Tuesday, the 1 and 3. I'll be honest with you guys. Christmas Eve to me is just baffling to me if you're not a Christian, if you don't follow Jesus. I have no clue why you would go to church. I love it. I can hang out with everybody and celebrate the birth of our Savior. But for some reason in the United States culture, it's still a thing to, I'm going to, on Christmas Eve, go to church and hear this message. And here's my encouragement for you, is if you find yourself over here, and you're saying, yeah, well, how do I have friends? How do I start relationships? Sometimes it's just simply saying, I'm going to take this, uh, there's a cards on seats. I'm going to invite somebody to the Christmas services. But here's what I'm hoping we don't do. Go up to our neighbor, our our coworker, our family member. Hey, we have a Christmas Eve service in the next few days. Hope to see you there. That doesn't really, that's not really a relationship. A relationship is saying, hey, me and my family are going to be at the 7 p.m. service. Would you guys sit with us? Would you want to hang out with us? Maybe we can get dinner beforehand. Maybe our kids can play video games together before we go to service. Let's spend time with each other. Maybe you do sit here, and it's okay to be saying, I, uh, this is uncomfortable. I don't know how to do it. This is the greatest time of year to say, hey, just come and hang out with me. Come hear a story about a God who sent his son for us. There's um, other ways, too. I mean, we have, it's, it's incredibly funny. Is um, I serve in the kids' ministry and youth ministry. And when I ask people if they want to serve in kids' ministry, they all say the same thing. I don't know about kids. And what they're really saying is, I'm uncomfortable around them. I have a two-year-old. I'm still uncomfortable around them. (laughs) Here's a bunch of kids, though, that literally are in our building that don't know Jesus, that just want people to be friends with them. I pray every single day that my daughter has a friend here that will help her and grow with her, that will simply just love her for who she is beyond her mom and dad. What if that's you? Kids might make you feel uncomfortable. That's okay. It's okay to feel that uncomfortable. Well, you might even be saying, Kenny, high schoolers scare me. I don't know the lingo. I don't dress like them. I'm not hip enough. Guess what? They know. (laughs) They know. And they're okay with it. They're not expecting you to come in tight skinny jeans and a deep V-neck. They don't want to. (sighs) What they are hoping for is someone to care for them, someone to be in relationship with them, somebody to say, hey, my parents just got divorced. Can I just talk with you? Can I just hang out with you? Hey, I've been experimenting with drugs. Can I just, can I chat with you about it? Well, I don't know all the answers. That's okay. It's okay just to say I want to sit here and love you and be with you and, and say, hey, I'm here for you. And I don't know the answer to every single question that you might have. But I do want to love you for who you are. You see, we live in a world that is too much us versus them. Us Christians versus those who don't know Jesus. And we all need Jesus. We all need to be in relationship with each other. We all need to say, hey, you're hurting. I'm hurting. Can we at least hurt around a fire? Can we at least be in relationship with each other? We don't agree on everything, but that's okay. What if people knew us as a place where they could feel that someone can hear them? What if they knew uh, followers of Jesus as someone that they can talk to at any moment, that they can call a friend? And I really do believe that um, I'm here today because Josh Bacon, a seventh grader, asked a sixth grader to go to youth group with him. Say, hey, would you come and hang out at Youth Group, a place where I felt like I belonged. I wasn't Laurel Barr's son. I was Kenny Barr. I'm here because Buzz Hollingsworth, a, how do I say this respectfully, older person, <laughs> decided to be friends with a junior hire and take him to Lord of the Rings and, and watch Oregon football games, even though I didn't care at all about Oregon. He decided to be friends with me. I'm here because Will Hughes was a friend of mine in high school and said, hey, listen, I know you well enough now that we have a friendship, that you know a lot about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. But it's only because I had friends that led me to Jesus. It's only because people decided they're going to step out of their comfort zone and hang out with somebody who wasn't like them, who didn't share the same values as them, who decided you're just as important to Jesus as I am. It's my encouragement for every single one of us this morning that if you follow Jesus and you need Jesus just as much as I do, feel free to take that step of, oh my gosh, this is uncomfortable. Hey, would you sit with me and my family? Would you hang out with us at the five, the seven, the one, or the three? Not that you have to go to all four, but just one of those. (laughs) Would you be in relationship with us? Because hopefully those people will see Jesus just as much as Zacchaeus did. Let's, let's pray. Father, Lord Jesus, God, no other, no other deity in history has decided to come down to earth and just eat dinner. Just spend time with his creation. And you are a God that says, I just care about you. I just love you. You don't have to do anything to earn that love. God, we we are constantly, myself included, have this hard comfort zone that I live in and that we live in that we need to break like your son did and be friends with those who are not like us. Reach out. Show them that we're all hurt people. So, God, I I pray that for all of us in this room that we have one, two, a family, a of people that we can begin to have a relationship with, begin to sit down and eat with, God, because you're worth it. Your love is worth it. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, If you would like some prayer, we have a prayer team right over here that would love to agree with you in prayer. Uh, If you're new here and you would love to get plugged in here at North Church, Andrea, my wife, uh, and I will be over here underneath this monitor, and we'd love to help you get connected. Have a wonderful day. See you in the next two days.